I'm your host, Lee W. Johnson, and welcome to my podcast, where I talk about all things related to magic, witchcraft, demonolatry, and a whole load of other related things. If you would like to find out more about me, get in touch with me, or hire me for a service, please go to my website, leewjohnson.com, or check out my link tree in the description of this podcast. some questions and comments uh, regarding Kabbalah and true Kabbalah and things like that so I just wanted to actually address some of those today Um, I'm gonna lump them all together in today's video alright so Kabbalah now I'm hoping to get my old friend and mentor Eucorbus G. Swatch on at some stage to do an interview Um, I'll try and organize that as soon as I can but what I'm going to do today is we're going to have a look at what Kabbalah is. And I'm going to refer to Eucorbus's, um The Book of Self-Creation. This is his first book. Uh, this is the second edition. So this is the latest one if you go by and I'll put the link in the description to his Lulu store uh, for Sangriel Sodality. Um, so we're going to have a look for that. Alright, so first of all, um, which books to read on Kabbalah? Now, when it comes to Kabbalah, there's a variety of different ways you can approach it. There is um, a study uh, of traditional Kabbalah, which often goes directly and exclusively into uh, studying the Tree of Life. There is also um, Kabbalah Ma'asit, or Practical Kabbalah which is very much what Yucorvus talks about. This is Jewish magic. Okay. Um, now, it was commented that Kabbalah is purely Jewish. Traditional Kabbalah is purely Jew- Jewish, yes. However, oh, and it also, was also commented that anything else is watered down. Um, you might find that the Jewish faith itself I'm not sure I can call it watered down, but what I'm trying to say is that when you look into Judaism, a lot of the Jewish magic, practical Kabbalah, is missing. And the reason for that is because over years and centuries, it was progressively removed um, because Jewish magic is not supposed to be done by other people besides the rabbis. So there's kind of been that that weeding out of certain aspects, certain practices from the Jewish faith. Um, so when we go into practical Kabbalah, there's a whole series and set of uh, practices and magical practices um, which are outside that. Um, and this is this is really the reason why I want to get Eucorbus on for an interview is because. He explains it so much better than I possibly can, and that's why I want to read a lot of, or a few passages from the introduction of uh, this book. All right, so when we look at Kabbalah, um, Kabbalah is, we have traditional Kabbalah, then we have Christian Kabbalah, we have Hermetic Kabbalah, um, and we have all forms of different Kabbalah, which are kind of 
a lot of them are bastardizations of what Kabbalah actually is. The whole idea here is to understand traditional Kabbalah to begin with. Once you understand traditional Kabbalah, then you can start applying it to other systems, other traditions and faiths. Um, let me read. There was a mention of um, assigning the chakras to the, the tree of life. Uh, yeah. As a case in point, consider, for example, the Oriental doctrine of the chakras. There have been several studies related relating the system to the Kabbalistic tree of life. There is fundamentally no problem doing such a comparative inquiry and deriving a lot of meaning from it. However, it would be wrong to consider the chakras to be part of official Kabbalistic doctrine, especially when Kabbalah does not acknowledge any link to this Oriental system whatsoever and when no similar comparative application of the Tree of Life exists within Kabbalistic doctrines. So, if you're going to use um, traditional Kabbalah and the Tree of Life and such things to try and understand something within another system, that's fine. But once you do that, don't take it and you know apply it to Kabbalah and say it is Kabbalah, because it's not Kabbalah. It's an integration of two things which are neither at the end of the day. So there's nothing wrong with it, but don't try and assign it to being Kabbalah. So as I said, there's you know there's a variety of different um, Kabbalistic approach. We have the traditional Kabbalah, which is it's you know Kabbalah is originally Jewish. Um, that is traditional Kabbalah or Jewish Kabbalah, um, and that is the basis. That's the that's the root, that's where you start, and then once you understand that, you can then start applying the aspects to other things. If you take the Tree of Life, just purely the Tree of Life and the Sephirah, um, each Sephirah has aspects. Um, it has a particular energy, a particular vibration, um, and it, it comes with certain things that speak of a particular point of emanation. And you can then take other another tradition um, and start applying what we find in there into the tree of life into the sephira as long as they line up properly with those sephira um, and each uh, sephirot <coughs> um, but if they don't and you just like applying things willy-nilly then it, it really doesn't make any sense and it's completely irrelevant at the end of the day um, let's have a look at some other stuff from the book. I'm going to read right from the beginning here. Um, there's been a lot of bickering about what Kabbalah is and what it is not. Opinions have ranged from those who insist that Kabbalah is exclusively Jewish to those who would have the most foreign elements included in this tradition. I have no contention with the claim that traditional Kabbalah is entirely Jewish in origin. However, I am equally aware that Kabbalah did not remain Jewish throughout the centuries of its existence, and that it diversified into what could be termed cross-cultural cross factions, example, Jewish Kabbalah, Christian Kabbalah, and Hermetic Kabbalah. While these factions can certainly be perceived to be separate entities, all of them are nevertheless based on fundamental doctrines developed in traditional Kabbalah. So as we see there, you have all these different factions, but they're all based in traditional Kabbalah. 
Uh, I fully accept that much diversification has been going on regarding the fundamental teachings of this tradition, especially over the last century. However, having closely investigated such doct doctrinal variances, it is absolutely clear that this wonderful tradition would become meaningless when its, when its fundamental principles are compromised. In other words, primary Kabbalistic teachings and rudimentary reasoning cannot simply be altered in accordance with a personal whim. Hence, it is necessary to understand the central vital core teachings behind this tradition before adjusting parameters in alignment with personal perceptions. One simply can no longer speak of Kabbalah when the supposedly stable primary symbols and doctrines of this tradition have been sacrificed in the fray. Such has been the case in a lot of works written in the name of Kabbalah and which have little or no relation to the tradition. There are those who would hard sell absolutely anything and call it Hermetic Kabbalah. As indicated, traditional Kabbalah is a Jewish tradition. Christian and Hermetic Kabbalah are clearly offshoots of traditional Jewish Kabbalah. However, during the latter half of the 20th century, especially with the birth of the internet, we find Kabbalah being linked not only to outrageous, but to the depraved. One of the most ridiculous of this genre I have encountered is termed Tiffonian Kabbalah. All right, so now we're starting to get into this aspect of the Clifotic tree, or Clifotic tree, um, the, what some people have called the tree of death on the left-hand path. And it's become a very big thing on the left-hand path. Uh, you have to do, you have to travel uh, the tree of death. Um, I don't ascribe to this myself at all. Uh, I think it is a very modern invention and completely unnecessary. Um, in fact, it has also been suggested that you, on, when you're on the left-hand path, you should only focus on the tree of death or the Kalapotic tree because it pulls you further away from God. Um, the Exhaim, the tree of life, the Kabbalistic tree, is often a representation of the fall of man. We have Malkut, which sort of fell down, um, and therefore the tree of death brings this further along, the fall of man, further away from God, etc., etc., etc. Now, if we consider God in terms of the um, Kabbalistic approach, God is everything and nothing. It is the cosmos, it is everything which we can perceive, understand, interpret, translate, and it is all those things that we cannot. Um, it is all those things which are nothing, which are in between the spaces. Um, there's absolutely no way of getting away from this. Absolutely no way. You cannot move further away from God because no matter where you go, you are in that everything and nothing. Uh, it's kind of like if you imagine somebody in a room which is infinitely large, then they start running away from a point. They are still in the room. They will never be out of the room. They cannot move out of it because it is infinitely large. Um, and it's, it's really the same thing. You, you can't move away from God because you know, this aspect of God, which is everything and nothing, because it is. 
<laughs> everything and nothing. I think you get my point. Um, so, you know, that whole approach is to me a bit ridiculous. Um, I think it's just purely invention that it's just trying to move away from this concept of this it's 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 taking the christian concept of god and trying to reject it as much as you possibly can get over it um you know yes we have a christian god he's considered an arsehole by many i don't give a shit personally (laughs) they can keep him i don't want him um but that's not the same god we're talking about when we're talking about the kabbalistic god this everything and nothing um so you know but it it does seem to be that whole approach of trying to reject and push away as much as we possibly can trying to come up with ways to do it as severely as we can um to reject it and push it away and, and you know banish it from our lives just reject it there's no reason why you have to go and invent this whole freaking thing of a tree of death and these gory things actually there's a good there's a good uh, example of that in here um yeah it's two paragraphs yeah uh carry on with with stephanian kabbalah as an individual who likes to avail himself of all perspectives when it comes to a tradition to which i have devoted the major portion of my life I was naturally intrigued when I chanced upon claims of Tiffonian associations with Kabbalah. I read several works dealing with this subject matter, amongst others those written by Kenneth Grant. I slogged through this trash in the hope of finding at least one fragment which might have some validity instead of pertaining to the mysterious sensationalist type of occult literature or being part of the I was flogged by fiend genre. What I found is that this literature panders to the gullibility of those who have a penchant for the grotesque and slimy green things, or of any other colour provided the sliminess is left intact. The demonic features particularly prominently in the writings of Kenneth Grant et al., and this subject is equally addressed in Kabbalah. In fact, since the earliest beginnings of Kabbalah, the Mekubalim have debated and written on the Sitra Akhra, the left side considered to be the realm of the demonic, Klippot, demonic shards, all manner of possession, spirit impregnations, the magical invocation of a variety of spirit entities, including those considered demonic, even the intermarriage with demons, etc. So, you know, even within Kabbalah, we have all of these aspects. So it really, it really does seem to be this trying to invent something which is exclusively rejecting this aspect of God. But that, to me, speaks of somebody who doesn't understand the concepts to begin with. Um, maybe they have studied Kabbalah. But I, I don't think they, they have either they haven't understood it properly or they have just decided to target all the people who, you know, come to this left hand path. They probably come from Christianity and have got the trauma and everything else. And they see this and it is a complete and utter rejection of the Christian God. Therefore, that must be the way I need to go because. I want to reject this this trauma. I want to get rid of this trauma. You can't get rid of trauma by just, 
you know, jumping onto the other side of the fence. Um, you've got to heal yourself from it. It's, it's a process that you need to go through. Um, but it just seems to be that, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know, but this is just my personal impression that it's just people have created these gory, edgelordy um, aspects of the demonic, which are purely just attracting those people who have that Christian trauma. And because of that, they go from one extreme to another extreme instead of trying to find the middle way. And maybe that's a process that they need to take. They need to go from that one extreme to the other extreme in order to know both sides so they can find that middle path. Um, and that's fine. You know, how you heal is your own process and everybody's process is going to be different. But all these people are creating all these edgelordy bullshit crap are just really trying to target the gullible people so that they can sell their their books and their courses for thousands. I mean, it's ridiculously priced half the time. Um, you know, you write a book and you might sell it for like $20, maybe $30 or $40 even, depending on the content and the, 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 the extent, the volume, the, um, the size of the, the work itself. Um, but, you know, just writing a normal size book with normal information in and then trying to sell it for 100 or $200 is ridiculous. It's pathetic. It's just, it really is exploitation. Um, and it really is targeting those people who have come from this Christian trauma and exploiting them, purely outright exploiting them. Um, and the more expensive the book, the more valuable, more valuable information it has to have in it. Ah, rubbish, absolute rubbish. Anyway, I'm going to get on my soapbox again. So, yeah, when it comes to Kabbalah, traditional Kabbalah is Jewish, purely Jewish Kabbalah. Um, and it should be approached in that manner and it should be understood um, extensively not just on a surface level uh, it needs to be dialed into properly and i definitely recommend uh Jacobus, uh Jacobus g swart which is the book up again i will put the link to his lulu store in the description um another author i would also recommend um is rabbi gershon winkler um his books have become a bit more difficult to find i've noticed uh, i used to have a one or two of his books and then Several years ago, hard times came about and I sold them. I sold a lot of good books. Terrible, terrible. terrible. Anyway, um, Gershon Winkler goes very much into um, Jewish shamanism, um, goes right into the roots uh, of the Jewish uh, faith and the Jewish people. And it really is fascinating, amazing stuff. So, you know, if you are interested in Judaism and especially if you're interested in, interested in uh, shamanic approaches, then Gershon Winkler, I definitely recommend. Um, there are a lot of fantastic authors, if, but this would be my go-to. Yukovas' uh, books are incredible, absolutely amazing. And I don't just say this because he is a personal friend of mine. I say this because he is just an amazing person. He is incredibly studied. He's been on the path for, I think, over 40 years, um, you know, 
really, really examining everything and reading original uh, Hebrew texts, translating them, um, and really delving into the nitty-gritty of everything. And uh, yeah, so practical Kabbalah, definitely Yukobus. Um, all right, so I'm going to now leave that here, and hopefully I will get Yukobus on soon, and we can I can ask him some more pertinent and interesting questions, and we can have a good chat. Welcome back to Ask Lee. Um, it's Wednesday again. I hope it is. <laughs> Just forgetting what day it is at the moment. All right. Um, today's question is from Solomon, and it's all relating to the Kabbalistic tree and the four worlds and such things. So this week seems to be a continuation of uh, Kabbalistic discussions. So uh, let's have a look at that one. All right, before I do get started with this, I just want to ask uh, if you do subscribe to one of the um, upper levels on or on YouTube, just make sure that you do connect on just on the Discord server and you can link your YouTube and Discord accounts so it picks up uh, the subscription itself. And just a reminder, if you do want to become a supporter for $2.99 a month, that would be great. That would greatly, greatly help me um, and help the channel as well. So uh, keep that in mind. And another quick announcement. I have created a package for um, Reiki attunement. It's a self-attunement. So it's going to be a lot cheaper than going through the traditional uh, Reiki attunements where you buy the, the course, you read through the manual, we have a chat and discussion face-to-face, uh, one-on-one, um, and then I, I give you a healing, distance healing usually, and then we do a distance attunement. Um, this is going to be a little, it's a little bundle. Um, it's got all three manuals in for level one, level two, and level three. And you can read through those, study them, learn them at your own pace, at your own time, at home. And then there is a video uh, which you can follow along with, which is the self-attunement. So we um, take each symbol, we insert them in specific places, we open up the crown chakra, bring in energy and things like that. So it's the, it's the attunement I do um, personally, but it's... You know, sort of model towards doing self-achievement and I'll take you through the whole thing. Uh, that is targeted and aimed towards people who just want to do Reiki on themselves or just for their family and friends. Uh, you're not going to get a certificate or be added to the lineage or anything like that. Um, if you do, then there's going to be an extra uh, fee for that just to, you know, Put together the certificate, put you on the lineage, and send all that paperwork. All right, so let's get into the question. Solomon's question. Uh, within planetary magic, I read that the planetary forces, planets, also contain the tree and thus the worlds within, and therein are more emanations. Is this an infinite loop of worlds and sephirot? 
thus the assembly line metaphor, but infinite. It sounds almost like infinite searching. Also, in reading, I saw there is an angel or demon, spirit and intelligence residing with planetary forces. Are they associated because they are the same resonance? What is the difference between these beings and why would one work with one versus another? They seem to be connected with the tree. Is this how one goes about getting more precise results with magical endeavors? Thank you for answering and all you do. It's a pleasure. All right. So this, this is kind of a combination of planetary magic and the Kabbalistic tree of life. Um, now, when we look at the tree, we have the 10 sephira. Um, the method that I was taught is that you, it's, it, it's a method where you actually kind of visualize yourself going down an elevator. You get to a certain point, certain number, floor, and then you step out and you vibrate the, um, God aspect, the name of power in order to open the door to that particular sephirot. Um, then you step through into the world of that sephirot. So if you were going to um, Tiferet, then you move down to Tiferet and you can move, then you can walk around Tiferet, the landscape. But within there, there's another tree. Um, so what you do is when you're in that world, you locate the tree within the sephirot and you then um, enter that, you move up through the levels and you can go into another Sephiroth within that one. So you can move into Hod in Tiferet or you can move into Netzach in uh, Gevura or whatever you want to accomplish. Um, and there's various things you can do in there. Now this brings in the worlds uh, within the tree, within Kabbalah itself. So we have four worlds. There's Asiya, Yetzirah, Bria, and Atzilut. Um, we're, we're really working on the physical. Asiya is the physical. Um, it, it, it relates with your senses and things like that, uh, which is the planetary. Then Yetzirah is sort of the mental world. And this works with the angels. This is where we find the angels. Um, the angels being such things as the cherubim, the beni or Elohim, um, and such things, um, such classes uh, or orders of angels. Then Bria is the soul world where we find, find the archangels, and Atzilut is the spirit world where we find the God aspects. So, I think the easiest way to probably explain this would be um, if you had a ball. And then that ball is covered in a layer, and then another layer, and then another layer. Each layer, it becomes more energetic. It becomes less solid, uh, if you can put it that way. And the ball in the center is then um, Asiya, the physical planetary world, the world that works on the senses. So um, with our magic, uh, you know, when I say with our magic, there's many ways we can view that and look at that. Uh, we could look at, look at it from a spiritual, purely spiritual aspect of, um, you know, working through those different layers so that we become less, really become less physical, I suppose. Very difficult to put this in words. Um, we, you know, we start at that physical level, that, that 
that level, the planetary level where we are um, embodied by our senses and everything that we touch, everything we feel, everything we see and hear and smell and taste, um, that's what um, engages us. But as we work spiritually, um, probably the easiest example here would be from a Buddhist uh, perspective, because um, when we immediately think of the Buddhist perspective, it's about reaching uh, or attaining enlightenment and, and such things. So we, we work at becoming less physical and more energetic, um, moving through those energy levels. Um, but when it comes to magic, which is pertaining to particular works in order to alter or change um, the, the world around us, uh, we were probably looking at the more physical aspect, the, um, the uh, aspect of us here, the physical world, um, and therefore we, we would want to work with the planetary aspects in order to um, engage with that world. So it depends on what world you're actually wanting to engage with. Um, if you want to engage with the Atheratic world, the, the, the mental world, then you would probably work with the angels. And each um, Sephirot has these allocations. So, for instance, um, we have Malkut at the bottom, which is based in Earth. It's about the elements. Um, it's very solid. And here we have the Cherubim, who are the angelic aspects of the, the elements. Um, then we, we move up to Yesaj, uh, which is moving more into an astral uh, consciousness, a dream consciousness. And this is where we find the moon, because the moon is that dream body. Um, it's about divination, um, about dreaming, about the astral, astral realms, about astral movement, uh, astral bodies, um, and such things. Um, so we have the moon here. If we go over to Gevura, um, we find Mars because it is that that Martian aspect. Uh, you find all of those. Those it, it's just, it's the same vibration. It's the same aspect um, on a sensory uh, level. Um, but obviously, as I said, you can move into the mental world or in, into the soul world or the spirit world. Depends on what type of work you want to do. Um, we just I'm going to go back to the question quickly. Um, yeah, you asked, is this how one goes about getting more precise results with magical endeavors? I wouldn't say it's about getting precise results. It depends what type of result you're looking for and what type of work you're doing. You know, if it is about attaining knowledge of a particular thing, you may not want to work with the planetary aspects. You may want to work with the angelic or the archangelic aspects, you know, depending on what it is. Um, but if it is something which is about your physical world, uh, maybe it's your physical health, maybe it's about finances, maybe it's about um, finding the love of your life or something like that, then you are engaging with the senses. Um, and therefore, using planetary magic is probably uh, a better in that situation. So it really is about what you're doing, what you're aiming for, what your goal is, um, and then fitting into the particular world which will get that for you, which will bring you towards that goal. Um, so, yeah, uh, reading 
In reading I saw there is an angel or demon spirit intelligence residing with uh, with planetary forces. Um, the planetary forces themselves are deities. They are they are gods and goddesses. Um, but we do find relations with with particular things. Venus, um, it's often related with Diana, um, often related with Lucifer, um, the evening star, the morning star, Hesperus, um, all of those those god aspects. But what you'll probably find is that you know when we talk about the planet planets themselves, we um, talk about them as being Venus, Mars, um, and such such names which are actually related to Roman gods. And you have then have your parallels with the uh, Greek gods and goddesses um, who are very similar in aspect. Um, uh, we then have the demonic forces, the Goetia spirits, um, who are associated with planets. And it's because they have that type, that same type of influence. Uh, Venus is all about love, uh, friendship, um, sexuality, and such things. Therefore, we often find our friendship and our demonic forces, or sorry, our, our love demons and our um, all of the forces which are associated with that, with being associated with Venus. Mars is, is associated with war, uh, with cursing, um, with action. Um, rather than opposed to Saturn, which is more about planning um, and order, Mars is kind of like that, that uh, throw yourself in there and beat the hell out of everybody type of energy. Um, so we have more of our, our Martian, our war types of beings in there. So each planet has a an aspect, a vibration, a... Um, relationship to particular things which we can associate with with human behaviors and desires um, and therefore we have the all the all the different spirits which are then put into those little molds and thrown into being, a, being part of a planetary aspect or planetary energy so the thing is it's not really about whether a demon versus an angel um, is better to use within a particular thing. Uh, that sort of relates to which kind of force, which kind of spirit you actually relate to better and which one you work better with. Um, you know, somebody who has the attitude that demons are evil and therefore they cannot work with them, they will not work with them because they're just going to bring them down and ruin their life, obviously won't work with demons. They will work with probably angelic forces or gods and goddesses. Um, I don't think, believe there's any difference between any of them myself, but, you know, if you hold that, that idea, ideology, then you know, it's going to affect the magic, obviously. So it's it's really about who you feel is better to work with. Um, now, when it does come to things like um, angels and demons versus archangels, um, that we find a bit of a, a difference because trying to find an easy, really, really easy way to explain angels versus archangels. Um, if you consider your hand... 
and we think of the fingertips, we think of each segment of each finger, uh, and then we think of the palm, we think of the back of the hand, we think of the, the each segment on the front with the fingertip and the nail. Um, you know, we have all these different parts, moving parts of our hand, and each moving part would, could be considered an angel. Then the entire hand is the archangel. Um, so each moving part has something it can do, but until it works with all of the other moving parts, it can't really do much. The force which gets the hand to do something like grab or punch or um, stroke or whatever action it is would be the arch archangelic force. Um, the thing which um, puts that into motion, which puts that force into motion in order to get the angels to act is the God aspect. Um, and then the actual action itself of grabbing something, you're feeling it with your with your senses, would then be the physical world. So we have all the different worlds um, that we can explain it that way. But when we if we look on a bigger scale, um, the angels would be those which affect us individually. Um, they affect our emotions, they affect um, our attitudes, they affect, they affect us in all different ways. Whereas the archangels are more kind of overlapping. If we look at the big four, um, that we put into the, the four directions, um, each one is assigned to a particular element. Raphael, uh, is the ruler of air. And therefore Raphael kind of embodies the atmosphere which surrounds the earth. Um, and therefore, if we didn't have air, we wouldn't breathe, we would die. Um, you know, we can look at Michael, who is associated with fire as being the sun, as being the, um, the, the uh, magna, the center of the earth, um, and all fiery things. Uh, now, if, you know, if the sun came too close to the earth, we would all fry. So it stays in a particular place. If it was too far away, we would all freeze. So it stays in a certain place and it's held in that, in that position. Um, you know, so we can go on and on and on. Um, so the archangels are those bigger overlapping things. And when it comes to working with the archangels and magic, and, you know, people are obviously going to disagree with me because there are different perspectives and different viewpoints and different schools of thought uh, regarding these things. Um, but when we look at the archangels, um, they are kind of more associated and concerned with the bigger um, picture, with rather than individual humans, rather a group of humans or a country or something like that. Um, so what could what can happen is that you know, when you're working with an archangel, the archangel itself may not be the one that is affecting the outcome that you're looking for. It may be assigned to a particular angel, which the archangel has assigned to you um, in order to, to bring that outcome. So, you know, we can work magic in various different ways, obviously. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really not sure if that one answered your question. Uh, so if, if want to delve into it a bit further, um, just send me another question. And if you do have any questions, leave them in the comments to this video below, and I'll add them to Ask Lee if you're listening on the podcast. 
you can go onto anchor.fm and leave me a voice note. You can ask your question. Alright, um, so I'm going to leave that one there today and I'll catch up with you next week. Have a good one for now. Bye bye. This podcast was brought to you by, well, myself, Lee W. Johnson. To find out more about me, please visit my website at leewjohnson.com or check out my link tree in the description of this podcast. If you like the video format, then subscribe to my YouTube channel, where I also host a live show every Friday with Rev Kai called The Black Hat Chat. It's just two witches chatting about traditional witchcraft and other topics. That's me for this week. Hope to hear from you soon. Thanks for listening.